Hey everybody, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm Ben Pakulski with a special Q&A version of this podcast. I love doing these. I love talking about the things that excite me most. And today's topic is no different. For about 20 years, I aspired to be the greatest bodybuilder in the world. And there's a lot of boxes that needed to be checked to ultimately become what we'll call peak performer. And there's a lot of people out there who aspire to peak performance in their realm, whatever it may be for you. It may be sport, it may be um, parenting, it may be business, but high achievers have a very particular mindset. And today I wanna get into some of the best practices of being a high performer. I also wanna get into giving you a perspective on all of the systems that really need to be checked and looked at um, almost like the gauges in your car. I mean, like, okay, where are these gauges right now? And how do I use objective and subjective measures to ultimately determine how well this machine is operating? And I think uh, as many coaches out there um, become experts in very particular areas, they tend to just focus on that area. And I was guilty of this for a very, very long time, thinking that one thing is most important and you, you kind of latch onto it and you go, oh, this is most important. Maybe it is for you in that time. But as you evolve as a coach, you start to realize how everything works like a complex system, which means when you uh, insert one input, it often has negative repercussions in other ends of the system or other aspects of the system. So today I want to discuss some of the best practices that I've implemented that I currently implement with some of my, currently implement with some of my performance clients and give you a little bit of perspective on um, really how I approach it. So as you know, uh, for 20 years or so, I spent every waking hour thinking, dreaming, learning about muscle building. And uh, I, I learned a lot and I certainly don't know it all. Um, but I learned enough to build an extreme amount of muscle and uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I had a lot of injuries. I followed a lot of the common conventions and a lot of them were wrong and caused a lot of injuries, maybe slowed down some progress. And, you know, after doing this for a long time and now teaching you know, thousands of people around the world, it allows me to really narrow down the best practices of training, which I obviously teach uh, online and in my uh, community. Uh, soon to be formally called the Muscle Intelligence Academy, where we're going to be bringing you guys courses on everything that goes into building your greatest body and ultimately building your greatest life. And um, But staying on, on topic today, the primary things I want you to think about when you're wanting to become a high performer is this reality that the body is an entire complex system. It's a whole and there's, it's not a siloed um, sum of its parts, right? It's not something where you can you can isolate particular aspects and say, I'm going to focus on just this and hope that you're going to get the best result. So there's always uh, push and pull. There's always an integration of all of the systems. And I'll walk through all the systems today and some of the best practices for each of them. So... As someone who aspires to build muscle, if that's your goal, even if it's not, there's still this undertone of uh, prerequisite health, right? We'll call it the physiological prerequisites to, to muscle building or physiological prerequisites to fat loss or even physiological prerequisites, prerequisite, prerequisites to high performance, whatever that happens to be. And those are all the same. There's, there's some certain baseline requirements that every human system needs to function at its best. And for some reason, this seems to just go out the window with some people. They don't think about 
taking care of their system, taking care of their body. They just focus on bigger, stronger, faster, more, whatever, right? And, and they think that, oh, if I continue to push really hard, I'm going to get the result I want. And that's the paradigm taken on in common day culture or modern day culture and society and social media is like, you know, hashtag crushed it today. Um, therefore, I'm doing really well. Give me some likes. And uh, that paradigm in and of itself is just backwards to me, right? And so as someone who started off as, a, as an aspiring bodybuilder at 16, and created a 19 year plan for myself to be able to retire at 35. Um, I think it's absolutely vital to one, identify all of these systems that need to be impacted and influenced and at least um, paid attention to, and then start developing goals and baseline measures of where you need to be to perform. So I'm working with a lot of high level pro athletes now, and some of them are really good at their skill, but they're not paying attention to all these baseline physiological necessities that allow them to ultimately push harder, allow their body to recover faster so they can sleep better, they can they can perform better the next day. And that's ultimately what determines your ceiling, right? So if you're someone right now sitting at home who or in your car who has a hard time building muscle or hard time losing fat or you're not getting as fast as you want or as strong as you want, well, you, you've created a ceiling for yourself based on your body's ability to recover. So many people think there's a genetic ceiling, which there certainly most likely is, but I guarantee we're nowhere near it because no one out there has done all of the things, that, at least not that I know, not very many people have done all of the things necessary on a consistent basis to push their recovery so they can push their performance, right? And recovery and performance are these, these inextricably linked variables that both of which need to be pushed and we can get into those at length. Um, so as you're walking into uh, any aspiring high-level performance, start creating a checklist of all the systems, all the things that you need to do, or at least pay attention to, to make sure that you're going to perform at your highest and best and, and do your best not to leave any out. And this is hard, isn't it? This is hard for, for average people because you guys don't know, and, and I didn't know for a long time, all of the things that ultimately will hold me back from achieving the body of my dreams or the the PR of my dreams or the, the athletic achievement of my dreams. So let's walk through these in a really simple and not necessarily an order of priority, but just order that come to mind for me. So if I were to um, start an athlete or a uh, really anyone on a um, optimization program, I need to make sure that they're getting every system in their body up to this baseline requirement of health. So for me, that looks like doing blood, urine, and possibly stool and even cortisol analysis to see what's happening in their body right now. What is their body lacking? What is you deficient in? And then replacing it, replenishing it and saying, okay, why is this system dysfunctional? What is it that exists in my life that's causing the system to either be stressed too much or not stressed enough, right? And all of those are both possible physiological realities. So if I'm doing something that's chronically driving up inflammation, well, the, 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 you know, the typical paradigm is, well, take something to, drive, to bring down inflammation. Well, logically, you would think that the first step, the first intervention should be taking away the thing that's causing the negative effect. And hopefully that is your approach. So an example being, if I, if I do a blood lab and I see my CRP to be elevated, my C-reactive protein is an indication of inflammatory markers being elevated. Well, I should probably look at my body and my lifestyle and my diet and all of these factors and see why is this thing elevated? And obviously, if you're someone who's training really hard, that's very normal. Um, 
you know, within reason, of course. Um, but I want to know why it's there. So looking at as many objective variables as I can to start giving me a jumping off point is a necessity for us as humans. So if you guys want to know what labs to typically do, the, the Boston Heart Lab is one that I've been doing recently. I've done a couple of times with my good friend, Dr. Dan Stickler out in Austin. That's a really extensive blood lab um, draw that's, that gives you all your cholesterol markers. And I like that one a lot. And as far as urine analysis, I've been doing the organic acid test, which comes from Great Plains Labs out in Minnesota. You can also do the Dutch test, which is a uh, lab that's analyzing your saliva, so your cortisol rhythms. And so those are really, really useful. And they give you a good indication of what's happening in your body. And if, obviously, this could be very complex if you want to dive into it. Um, but really just looking at it and getting a baseline of where you are is useful. And if you want to go super deep, like you would with a pro athlete or someone looking to really optimize, you then overlap that with their genetic data, their, their DNA and their epigenetic data, which you guys heard recently us talk about with uh, Ryan Smith, the guest of the podcast. And uh, there's a lot you can come to as far as um, action items that are you know, whether it be training related or supplement related or food related, or most of the time, oftentimes it's removing something, right? Like get rid of this stimuli. Um, so that's where I would start. And that's the, the, maybe the number one most important objective measure of, you know, where are we right now? What does the body need? I think one of the challenges we face as coaches is guessing, right? It's like, oh, you should take vitamins. You should take a multivitamin. Why? Right. Oh, you should take vitamin D. Why? Do I need it? Or is it extra? Is it superfluous? Nothing is ubiquitously good, right? Nothing is a panacea except if we need it. So my suggestion is start creating the daily lifestyle habits that allow your body to thrive and not have to be dependent on something um, to ultimately correct course on, you know, something that's gone awry down the down line. So um, we'll get into some of the best practices that I suggest as we get toward the end of the podcast. And so We'll start there. And then the second thing I want to start measuring as, as a, anyone who's a peak performer or anyone who aspires to live and, and breathe at their best uh, is heart rate variability. And you guys have heard us talk about this at length. And HRV is an incredibly valuable measure of what's happening inside of our body with respect to the autonomic nervous system. So heart rate variability allows me to determine where my body sits and why that's relevant to you. And, and I'm not going to go into length about HRV, but if you want to listen to it, please check out the recent podcast with Dr. Jay Wiles. He's an absolute brilliant man with a wealth of information and he provided incredible insight into HRV. But really what we're looking at is our body's ability to adapt and, um, how resilient is my system? So how much stress can I really subject it to before it starts breaking down? And stress, you have to look at in multiple kind of arenas, right? So you look at acute stress. So my, your body can respond to a one-time bout versus multiple bouts versus chronic bouts of stress. And all of those are very different timelines, right? Anyone can respond to an acute stress, a single workout, a single stressor. But you repeat that over four or five days, that's a whole different thing. And now you accumulate that over three months or six months. And now you've created a chronic situation that maybe you haven't allowed your body to recover from. So HRV is a very good measure of, of our body's adaptability to these types of stress. Now, why do you care? Well, ultimately, this should be driving your training decisions. This should be driving your nutrition decisions, your recovery decisions. How much do you lean on your recovery modalities on a regular basis? So 
most people, as they aspire to build their body or get better at sport, just focus on the gas pedal. They're like, hey, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to outwork everybody. And I was guilty of this for a long time. And if someone had just said, hey, gas pedal is wonderful. You need to get better and better and better hammering on that gas pedal. But here's what we're going to give you. We're going to give you the ability to use a brake. And so when you hit in those tough corners and when you have to slow down, you have the ability to do that because gas pedal is wonderful during the day, during training and when you need it. But it's terrible when you're trying to recover and ultimately rest and sleep. So learning how to turn those systems on, almost like light switches or maybe dimmer switches more effectively, uh, is a really important trait. So you should be training your parasympathetic inputs as much as you're training your sympathetic inputs, your sympathetic drive. And sympathetic drive is what we do in the gym. And parasympathetic is what we're doing to stop that system, right? Just to turn down that dimmer switch and turn on the new one. And uh, you guys have heard me talk at length about what those practices are. But really, it comes down to controlling your breath controlling your muscular system and allowing the muscular system to relax and maybe if you ask andrew huberman he'll tell you about the visual system and he's if you're not already listening to huberman podcast uh, it's incredible and the visual system by by taking a wide panoramic gaze can take you out of a sympathetic state so you know whether it be looking at the tv looking at a computer or looking at your phone all those are very sympathetically oriented states based on your visual system so think that through the next time you're trying to ultimately amplify the volume or the the uh, brightness we'll say uh, inaccurately maybe of your parasympathetic nervous system we want to turn that up as much as possible and teach the body how to turn off so moving along from hrv and lab work the first thing that i'm looking at whether my objective is being the best bodybuilder in the world or a great athlete, or just being really, really healthy and living a long and strong life is my aerobic system. So the aerobic system is something you guys have heard me talk about a lot lately, especially if you're part of my VIP newsletter, where I send out one email at least a week with content that I'm really researching. And you know, my la latest area of interest, as you could imagine, is peak performance. And it's, it's like, what are all those things that go into, you know, working at a really high level? And like, how can I push something for a really long time? Um, and ultimately see how, see where my breaking point is. And that's something I've been playing with lately. Um, but ultimately the aerobic system is the key to recovery. And it's not just because I'm, I'm trying to do long endurance races. It's, it's whether you're trying to build muscle or you're trying to get strong, your aerobic system is incredibly important. So adding in some consistent higher duration, lower intensity aerobic work, what we'll call zone two fitness, it's going to be imperative on so many levels to decreasing inflammation, driving up mitochondrial efficiency, improving aerobic fitness, um, ultimately improving fat expenditure, fat oxidation, at rest and, and during exercise. And, and for anyone who wants to get lean or wants to improve their fitness, anyone, I've, I've got a lot of questions back to me. It's like, oh, is this for me? Anyone should be should be pushing this system. And, and when I say push, it doesn't mean effort it's duration, right? More duration. And what happens with effort is you can sustain the same perceived output, um, but actually increase the amount of work. So at some point your efficiency gets better and you're doing more work with, with lower perceived effort. And that's kind of the ideal scenario is we get more and more fit, more efficient. So the aerobic system is something that a lot of people lately, for whatever reason, have been overlooking. I know there's some people who perpetuated that, um, but it's a, it's a mistake. And, and if you're trying to grow in any way, 
I highly suggest you include aerobic training. And again, how much depends. Where are you, right? So one of my gifts in life as a bodybuilder was I always had fantastic aerobic fitness. Did I do a lot of cardio? Maybe not a huge amount. I probably did it, you know, three days a week consistently off season, then five or six days a week when I'm, when I was prepping. But um, you know, at least three days a week, and I, and I was very blessed to have great aerobic fitness because I trained really fast, also, so that kept my aerobic fitness really, really efficient. So that that comes to the, to the next point on my list here, and that's energy production. And a lot of us lack energy, don't we? A lot of us lack the ability to get up and go. The abundance of energy, ultimately, that I think is a calling card of people who are ultimately successful, is the ability to stand up and do anything at any time and not feel like it's labor. It's this, this conversation around having enough energy for two, right? I want to have enough energy for me and for you. I want to have enough energy for me and for my kids. And do I always? know? And, and I would like to. And just why this is becoming such a um, interest of mine, a passion of mine is like, I want to have an abundance of energy until ripe old ages. And that comes down to this zone two efficiency. This comes down to also including some anaerobic high intensity training to ultimately improve the mitochondrial biogenesis and allow, allow our bodies to produce more energy from more ATP ultimately from the, the carbohydrates and fat we consume and we store. And energy production is a big, big one. And I think there's there's definitely some some supplemental substrates you want to be taking. And it's it's coenzyme Q10 and it's magnesium and, and certainly salt plays a big role in that. And uh, oxygen and CO2 play a huge role in that. And that's uh, kind of segues into our next um, topic that you should be adhering to. You guys have heard me talk about this at nauseum, so I won't spend too much time on his breath work. And again, if you haven't understood breathwork to this point, you're missing the podcast, head over to listen to Patrick McEwen, who's the creator of The Oxygen Advantage, an absolute wealth of information. And another one of my favorites, two of my favorites, Brian McKenzie, who if you don't follow Brian McKenzie on social media, he's got one of my favorite accounts. He gives so much useful information on his uh, Instagram account. And James Nestor, the author of the book Breath. Um, is a fantastic resource for everything to do with breathing. He's, he's a um, journalist who decided to research breath because he saw so much benefit, um, you know, ubiquitously for everyone. And if you, I'll say, if you're not a master of, of breathing and you aspire to have a great life, you should start doing more research. And my, one of the blessings that's come on my life right now, if you guys are curious what I'm up to kind of behind the scenes is I'm building courses. I'm actually in the process of building about six or seven different courses. And it's been a beautiful gift to be able to build a course. And if you're interested in learning something at a high level, I strongly suggest you just set the goal of building a course because if you're really committed uh, to doing a great job, the amount of time that goes into researching is uh, tremendous and you end up learning a lot. And, and like I've read hundreds of research papers lately on kind of all the, the latest research to do, you know, the first courses I'm building, obviously breath work and HRV as I speak of here. This is this peak performance um, manual that ultimately I'm putting together that you guys will hear more about in the future. So um, understanding the dynamic of carbon dioxide and oxygen as it implicates into energy production and brain function and the autonomic nervous system um, is very important. And learning how to control your CO2, learning how to control, increase your tolerance to CO2, 
is nothing short of a performance necessity, I think, uh, for anyone who wants to perform at a high level, um, whether this be with some of my clients who I know will be listening or uh, anyone really, uh, learning to improve your CO2 tolerance and make that a superpower will absolutely be a significant uptick on your overall outcome, whether that be lifting or, or ultimately performing at your sport. So the autonomic nervous system and central nervous system are two systems here that uh, I think should be you know, maybe separated, but for the case of the podcast, I'll put them into one. And uh, understanding how these things work is, uh, is a very useful tool. And I'm certainly not an expert, but the person you want to listen to again is Dr. Andrew Huberman and head over the Huberman Lab podcast. And he's just got the most incredible ability to articulate this information about how the brain, the nervous system, and, and ultimately interact with the environment and uh, you know, how we are adapting to stresses all the time and, and our ability to... Um, interpret and understand pain and sleep and, and there's so much great value there but um th this is one system as a high performance athlete or high performance coach that you want to hear or at least pay attention to so as someone starts to fatigue centrally certain things will start to happen to their cognitive mood their state their their arousal state their strength output which is often demonstrated through grip strength um, so if someone starts to see diminished grip strength, that's usually an indication of central fatigue. Central fatigue is uh, very common, um, especially in athletes who are going to push really, really hard, especially people who are training consistently and heavy and hard on a regular basis. So we have to be looking for signs of uh, overtraining. Uh, as far as you know, their inability to recover and grip strength and uh, performance decreases. And my suggestion that the rule that I always applied during my career is if I saw a 20% decrease in um, you know, objective measures, meaning my ability to reps or load, uh, then I would stop and I would take a couple of days off. And at that point, you're looking at, okay, well, what are my best levers I can pull to improve recovery, right? So a lever for recovery could be something like, uh, meditation. It could be something like being in nature. It could be just dis being disconnected from social media and my phone. It could be something like increasing calories. It could be just connecting with loved ones. It could be really anything that you know is going to fill your cup and fill your soul. So when you're seeing that central fatigue, sometimes it could take up to seven days for that nervous system to recover. So don't be afraid to take extended periods of time off. And this is something that I intentionally will do with myself and with clients is I want to create some central fatigue, right? I want to push their nervous system far and then give them a week off. And I've, I've never met a high level athlete who actually trains hard, and that's very subjective, but who actually trains hard, who didn't get better after an entire week off. Hey everybody, I'm interrupting the podcast to bring you a quick message from our show sponsor, Blue Blocks. This company is making great research-backed eye strain-reducing glasses, blue light-blocking glasses, and sleep masks, all of which I use on a consistent basis myself and my children. And you know kids sometimes want to watch some television, even if after dark, and a non-negotiable for me in our house is wearing blue light-blocking glasses. Their glasses come in a range of styles, with or without prescription, which is a cool addition. So if you guys are anywhere near computers, especially after dark, I highly suggest you guys head over to blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash muscle intelligence. Use the code muscle for 15% off. Now back to the podcast. Moving along from the central nervous system, 
It's so important and often overlooked to consider cellular health. And most athletes and coaches aren't looking so deep into cellular health. A lot of us look at hormones. A lot of us look at um, maybe endocrine function, you know, overlapping hormones. Um, but not a lot of people look at the foundation of hormone and endocrine function at cellular health. And, and so what does that look like from level of the cell? Is it lacking some vitamin or, or cofactor? Or is it inflamed? Or um, what is the composition of the phospholipid bilayer? And these are things that I'm certainly not an expert on, but there's definitely considerations to be had here around optimizing cell health. And there's some basic best practices that can be looked at through something like an organic acid test. And the beauty of the organic acid test is you don't have to be an expert. It's going to tell you what system and what pathway is either limited or inhibited or being pushed too hard and being taxed. And you can just make adjustments accordingly to your nutrition and your supplementation. So that's one system I think you guys should all be considerate of. And some, you know, basic best practices is just dropping inflammatory markers, taking things out that are going to be pro-inflammatory in your diet and ensuring your body has what it needs to recover. So um, that, there's a lot of stuff in there that we went through. And, and I think the one piece that uh, I haven't mentioned that, you know, is, is assumed is the movement piece. And if you're someone who's a high performer, there's so much value in uh, spending time in mastering your skill. And I think it requires some obsessive view, right? It requires some obsession uh, toward perfection, as close as you can get to perfection. And maybe that was my gift as a bodybuilder was um, the neurotic attention to detail of everything I did. And if you want to be really good at something, you can't accept mediocrity. And this is what I see so much in the young athletes that tend to come through my life and through my world is they just, it's almost like culturally, and I could be wrong and this sounds, this sounds wrong, but culturally it's accepted to just be okay. And that's unfortunately not going to get you where you want to go. And so there needs to be this, you know, what I'll call, um, you know, my belief is a champion's mindset of checking all of the boxes in a diligent way, you know, and, and was it healthy for me during my career? I don't know, but it certainly was deep enough where I questioned everything. You know, could I do this better? What can I do better? And there's definitely things that nobody was talking about, including a lot of the things I'm talking about today, but the things that I did know about, I made sure I was very well versed on. Um, and that's something I suggest all of you take on as, as a life trait is become a master of something, right? Become, you know, again, the word obsessed gets uh, some, some baggage that comes with it, but become obsessed with what you do. And it's, it's not an obsession from an unhealthy perspective, but it's an obsession from a desire to find your limits, right? To find what you're capable of and, as a human, that's where you start to thrive. That's where you lead, right? Everyone aspires to be a leader and to ultimately be able to lead, it requires going way outside of your comfort zone, disregarding what other people think is possible for you or themselves and pushing and questioning and going further and deeper and longer and better in all of those, right? At the same time, often. It's looking for quality. It's looking for quantity. It's looking for depth. It's looking for discomfort. It's looking for discipline and exploring the realms 
of human performance, of human capability. That's ultimately where leadership exists in my mind, right? Leadership can look like uh, I'm leading this group of people and I'm helping them all to work toward this common mission, or it can look like I'm carving my own path and I'm leading the way where I want to go. And I know what people will follow because I'm going to be a trailblazer, right? I think there's something to be said there for um, just creating a world-class standard and going so far beyond what you think is possible. And one of the, one of the obstacles that you're facing right now is all this BS around overtraining that you hear is like minimum effective dose. What? <laughs> like, what all this you know the science zealots out there who say oh it's this is what the science says and yeah great but they're often looking at different demographics and the only time i think overtraining exists is when you don't understand how to parallel intense training with intense recovery right so when we put when we subject somebody to a training regimen then it's significantly more than they've ever done before that's wonderful but what if ultimately happens is your training and your nutrition scale and then the progress stops and you go, oh, that must be a limit or a plateau. No, you just haven't learned how to optimize all of the other things that go into the body to allow it to progress. And that's really the point of today's podcast is, you know, most people, when they want to get better physically and, and uh, you know, whether it be aesthetically or performance wise, go after more training or better training, which is good. And nutrition, like I want to eat more calories or better calories, and both of which are great. Those both have a first limit, right? We're going to run into what we'll call our first ceiling. And people go, oh, that must be enough. And the only thing I can do now is work harder or do more. And that's just not the truth. We have to start looking outside of those two variables and looking at the other levers that we can pull ultimately to get our body to respond, grow, and adapt. So what are those things, right? It's exactly all the things I'm telling you about. It's all the other things that go into it. It's the sleep. It's the heart rate variability. It's the breath work. It's the control of the autonomic nervous system. It's improving digestion and assimilation rather than just hammering in more calories. This is so common in our sport, you know, in our fitness industry. Hey, just eat more calories. No, dummy. Digest more, assimilate more, chew more effectively, improve your autonomic response, right? Improve your gut health. All those things are going to be way more effective at extracting a greater percentage of the calories that you're consuming. When I see someone eating six and 7,000 calories a day, even 5,000 calories a day, I know that they're not digesting and assimilating everything well, right? So where's that on your list of considerations for performance, right? It should be ultimately, again, maybe it is to do with minimum effective dose. It's not just more and more and more when it comes to nutrition. Um, so there's a few best practices that I want to leave you with that I think everyone should be implementing. Uh, you know, you all, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely uh, attach yourself to being a high performer, a peak performer. And there's, there's a few things that I think we should be doing on a daily or weekly basis that are absolutely prerequisites to success and happiness and fulfillment and, and, and excellence ultimately, right? And my brain goes directly to um, controlling my mind, controlling my autonomic nervous system. The reason I started this entire journey of whether it be bodybuilding or personal development 
was because I wanted to be in control. I hated when something outside of me would influence me negatively. So I wanted to learn how to control my mind and therefore my physiology, right? I need to control my physiology and, there, and thereby my psychology. So learning how to control my breath, learning how to control my uh, aerobic system, learning how to control my muscular system was the gateway to calming my mind and not being as responsive or maybe accurately more as not being as reactive and being able to be more responsive in my approach, whether it be to people or circumstances in life. I was no longer a victim to my circumstance. I was now just an observer of my circumstance. So gaining control of that in my eyes is must be a daily practice for a high performer. That could be meditation. That could be breath work. That could be anything that allows us to control, intentionally control the autonomic arousal. Here's a cool practice for you. Before you train, next time or after you train, jump on a bike and um, increase your heart rate to about 150 beats per minute. Try to sustain it there for 60 seconds. Stop uh, at the end of 60 seconds. And you can continue to move really slowly or stop completely and uh, slow down your breathing consciously slow down your breathing try to get your breath work down or your breathing cadence down and bring your heart rate down and time how long it takes you to get back down to 100 beats per minute and for most people it may be a minute maybe a minute and a half and that's great now repeat that six times and see what your average is so let's say it takes you a minute or two minutes to get down to, to 100 beats per minute great record that come back two days later and do it again so Effectively, what you're doing is you're trying to decrease the amount of time it takes to get your heart rate down. So now we're getting conscious control of the autonomic nervous system. So I get my heart rate up to 150 beats. I stop. I try to get it back down to 100 by simply controlling my breath, simply controlling my arousal state consciously. Now I'm consciously training my autonomic nervous system to come back down into a controlled state. Therefore, guess what happens when I'm stressed? If I'm stressed and I feel my heart rate raising and my blood's starting to boil and I'm really angry. Now my brain can stay online, stay responsive and conscious and not reactive, not being reactive to the situation. I'm now in control. I'm no longer a victim. I'm now a creator. And that's just by a simple practice of gaining control of the autonomic nervous system through the breath. This is something I suggest you do every single day. That would take you not very long, 12 minutes. If you do it exactly as I indicated, maybe 15 minutes. Really, really good way to train that state. So another thing I think high performers, high performers miss out on, which I think everyone should implement, is a mobility practice. And I tend to uh, attach to yoga as my mobility practice. And yoga I like because it integrates the breath with movement and extended positional holds. So get in this really incredibly uncomfortable position and stay there for five breaths, which sometimes equates to as much as 30 seconds, right? Maybe longer. So stay there and learn to gain control and relax. And we're integrating the breath with movement. And there's so much value in that. Um, another practice I suggest that we do daily is some type of intentional discomfort. When you wake up tomorrow morning, ask yourself, how am I going to make myself uncomfortable today? What am I going to do to train my, ultimately, my ability to not freak out, my ability to not panic when I go into discomfort? 
my ability to not even react when I feel discomfort, right? So you look at people who are doing extended runs and bikes and, and uh, swims and extended fasts and anything like that, their ability to hear that internal dialogue of, holy smokes, I need to stop and just go, nope, keep going, All right, I'm good, keep going, I'm good. And maybe even smiling at themselves and going, ah, yes, I got this, I see you, keep going. <laughs> Um, there's huge amounts of long-term value in that, right? Learning to gain control of the monkey mind. And I don't know if that's an accurate statement. Like, you know, I always call it the monkey mind. It's the, the racing mind that's just um, scattered and all over the place and wanting you to, to do those primal things like eat and stop and rest and sleep. And you're just overcoming it and going, nope, I'm going to keep going. I set a goal. I set an objective target and I'm going to move toward it. Benefits there. Obviously, you're learning to repress those uh, innate responses and you're getting dopamine released. And you're creating this dopamine-driven reward-based mind moving toward your goal. Like There's so much value in creating a dopamine brain. I can do it with my kids now on a consistent basis where... I'll set really small goals for them, really, really small goals. And, and I'll just, as long as they're working toward it daily or, or, you know, minute to minute, they're working towards something. Their brain gets that little hit of dopamine and they're going to start to crave it. And I think this is a really good way to start to craft a high performance mindset. Now, I will acknowledge that there is limitations and, and detriments to a high performance mindset, right? For someone who um, ultimately just is never satisfied. There's just more and more and more and more. And sometimes at some point in your life, you're probably going to reach a phase or a point in life where you can't do it anymore. And you feel like it has been, you're like, oh, geez, I just can't do it. High performers will always find some way to do it. But there certainly is times of like, man, I just can't do what I used to. And I feel like I'm not, I talked to a lot of athletes about this. Um, there's, there's definitely a necessary transition there. Um, two more things. Um, high performers always automate the, the simple stuff. They automate nutrition. They automate um, chores. I automatically make my bed. I automatically know exactly what we're going to eat and when. The more things you can automate and remove the conscious thought, remove the decision-making process, the more time you can devote to things that are actually worth your thought and worth your time. So automate things. If, you're, if you know what time you're going to eat, exactly what you're going to eat, do it the same every day. Automate it. And there's value in that, including your schedule. What time do you train? Same time every day. There's so much value in the circadian values of that and also in the conscious values of just knowing where you're going to be when and the predictability of it. And um, another thing that I think everyone must be doing, which ties into that, is measuring, right? You have to measure progress. If you're not measuring your training, if you're not measuring your, your aerobic fitness and your progress and, and all the variables you're training, you don't have an, an accurate, proven action plan. You're missing the opportunity to progress. And what does that mean in training? You should be progressing at least one or two variables every single week. In nutrition, you should be progressing variables consistently based on your training. Remember, your nutrition should match your training, not your training to match your nutrition. So you should be writing your programs first, and nutrition should then coincide with that, and as should recovery modalities, right? We're here to train. We're here to be high-performance machines, peak performers. So that needs to be the governing factor. I want to eat to support high performance. Don't eat to starve yourself. Don't eat to starve off the fat. That's backwards paradigm. doesn't make any sense. All right, guys, I want to leave you with a few things here about what I'm up to right now. So 
uh, what I'm up to right now. I'm building courses. This company I'm working with, and I won't tell you about it yet, um, is going to be an amazing resource for a lot of people to ultimately change their life. And that's going to be for coaches and uh, athletes potentially to integrate all of the aspects of peak performance. And I'm working with a lot of incredibly brilliant people to help us build this uh, platform for hopefully changing the world and helping millions and millions of people get in better shape and have access to the best information, the best coaches. I'm super excited about that. Lots to come in coming weeks and months. So if you're a coach and you want to learn from the best, this is something to pay attention to. And if you're not a coach, if you're just a, an, an athlete or an aspiring athlete or just an average person who wants to get in great shape, you're going to have access to really high level coaches who have really good information and really good coaching and mentoring. Um, my next few years is uh, really focused on understanding all these things that go into becoming a peak performer and studying it a lot. So one book I'm reading, and I know you guys like to hear about my books, uh, is The Art of Impossible. And I think you should definitely pick it up if this stuff sounds interesting to you. Uh, it's by Stephen Kotler. It's a peak performance primer. And it's actually, ironically, just a great book. It doesn't talk about a lot of the stuff I talked about today, but a few other things. It talks a lot about flow. If you know Stephen Kotler, he's big on flow. Um, that's that was great. Um, podcasts I'm listening to. There's two. One of which I mentioned today, Huberman Lab, and one that I hadn't, and I think it's fantastic. And if you haven't already heard of the Lex Friedman podcast, check it out. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Highly suggest it. Um, I've got a few products that I want to mention to you, and these aren't sponsors. Well, one of them is sponsored, but one of them is just a new product that I've been loving. It's it's uh, earbuds from Phil Maffetone, and uh, the reason I like these earbuds is because they can actually give you your heart rate. Uh, through your ears. So it's as accurate as an ECG, which is amazing. I've been playing with that a lot, integrating it with my aura data, my sleep data. So I can be out riding a bike, I can be out for a run and getting my heart rate uh, with very little interference. So I know if you guys don't know, the watches and stuff get terrible amounts of interference and just really inaccurate when you're exercising. Uh, aura tends to be the best and um, Maffetone's earbuds seems to be really good as well. Um, so no affiliation, just loving that product, super great product. And uh, one thing I do want to mention is one of our newest sponsors of the podcast, which I'm so excited about. I've been a, a consumer of this product for a really long time, and that's Belcampo. You guys have heard me mention Belcampo before. The best meat in the country from my perspective. It's fantastic. And my friend Anya Fernald is uh, just a, a beautiful human being who's got great aspirations to help us change the farming practices in the world and ultimately make the uh, carbon emissions that are so common with industrial farmed animals, uh, just a thing of the past. And let's raise these animals ethically so we can help the earth and ultimately help ourselves. I think you should be super aware of the quality of the food going into your body, right? And you guys know that I'm curating these products based on quality. Like I care about what goes into my body and so should you. And uh, I'd rather eat less of the highest quality products than way more of crap and, and industrially fed, industrially raised cattle uh, just seems like a, such a bad idea. They're, li they're growing up on corn and soy and they're loaded with uh, the negative, the wrong fats that are going to drive up inflammation in you. And, you know, I, I accidentally had a corn fed steak at a steakhouse one time recently. And gosh, the instant heartburn and the instant, like just I could feel, it feels energetically the same. I felt like sluggish. And when I eat Belcampo meat, I just feel so great. And I've been throwing it on my Traeger lately. So I've been ordering these beautiful roasts and throwing it on my Traeger grill and smoking it for a few hours. And what a beautiful experience. <laughs> it's uh, so great. And the Traeger is awesome because 
ultimately just throw it on, set it and forget it. No, again, no affiliation with Traeger. Just uh, love them. Great product. So guys, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being a listener to the podcast. And thank you to Belcampo for making this possible. I really appreciate you guys support, supporting all of our, po- our sponsors for this podcast. You can head over to belcampo.com and use the code MUSCLE to get 20% off your order, which is massive. And gosh, this is meat. So like you're saving money on meat for every $100, you're getting $20 worth of free meat, basically which is an incredible offer with the best quality meat in the country. The steaks are phenomenal, as is the ground meat. And uh, they also have some organ meats on there. They have bones, they have beef jerky, they have uh, bone broth, all of which are just fantastic. And uh, so thank you so much to Bell Campbell for being part of this mission, this journey uh, that will never end as I continue to get better and learn and I will be a student for life. And I'm super grateful for you being here. If you guys did enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, any of the above or all of the above. And if you did enjoy the podcast and you do think this is a great resource for you, I would love it if you would share with at least one person you know and love who ultimately is aiming to live their greatest life in a body that they love. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Ben Pakulski for the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Much gratitude and love, my friends. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.